Chapter number five A Alpha two Part two of the Phenomenology of Mind Volume One by George Wilhelm Frederick Hegel, translated by James Black Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter five A Alpha two Part two Observation of Organic Nature. The lawmaking just considered implies that the differences of the organism taken in the sense of moments of its notion, and strictly speaking, should be an a priori process. But it essentially involves this idea that those differences have the significance of being present as something given, and the attitude of mere observation has properly to confine itself merely to their actual existence. Organic reality necessarily has within it such opposition as its notion expresses, and which can be determined as irritability and sensibility, as these again both appear distinct from reproduction. The aspect in which these moments of the notion of the organism are here considered, their externality, is the proper and peculiar immediate and externality of the inner, not the outer, which is the outer in embodied form of the whole organism. The inner is to be considered in relation to this later on. If, however, the opposition of the moment is apprehended as it is found in actual existence, then sensibility, irritability, reproduction sink to the level of common properties, which are universals just as indifferent towards one another as specific weight, colour, hardness, etc. In this sense, it may be doubtless observed that one organic being is much more sensitive or more irritable or has a greater reproductive capacity than another, just as we may observe that the sensibility, etc., of one is in kind different from that of another, that one responds differently from another to a given stimulus, e.g. a horse behaves differently towards oats from what it does towards hay, and a dog again differently towards both, and so on. These differences can readily be observed as that one body is harder than another, and so on. But these sense properties, hardness, colour, etc., as also the phenomena responding to the stimulus of oats, of irritability under certain kinds of load, or of breeding a number of special kinds of young, all such properties and phenomena when related to one another and compared into say, essentially defy the attempt to reduce them to law. For the characteristic of their being sensuous facts consists just in their existing in the complete indifference to one another, and in manifesting the freedom of nature emancipated from the control of the notion, rather than the unity of a relation, in exhibiting nature's irrational way of availing itself of these accidental elements of quantity in order to flit hither and thither between the moments of the notion, rather than in the setting forth of these moments themselves. It is the other aspect in which the simple moments of the notion of organism are compared with the moments of the definite existent embodiment that would last furnish the law proper for expressing the true outer as the copy of the inner. Now because those simple moments are properties that permeate and pervade the whole body, they do not yet work themselves out of the organic being into such a real separate existence as to form what we call an individual system constituting a definite shape, gestalt, or again, if the abstract idea of the organism is truly expressed in those three moments merely because they are nothing stable but transitory moments of the notion and its process, the organism on the other hand, qua a definite embodiment, is not exhaustively expressed in those three determinate systems in the way anatomy analyses and describes them. So far as such systems are to be found in their actual reality and rendered legitimate by being so found, we must also bear in mind that anatomy not only puts before us three systems of that sort, but a good many others as well. Thus then, apart from this, the sensitive system as a whole must mean something quite different from what is called a nervous system. The irritable system 
something different from the muscular system, the reproduction from the intestinal mechanism of reproduction. In the systems constituting an embodied form, gestalt, in the organism, is apprehended from the abstract side of lifeless physical existence, so taken, its moments are elements of a corpse, and fall to be dealt with by anatomy. They do not appertain to knowledge dealing with a living organism. Qua parts of that nature, they have really ceased to be, for they cease to process. Since the being of an organism consists essentially in its universality or reflection into self, the being of its totality, like its moments, cannot consist in an anatomical system. The actual expression of the whole and the externalization of its moments are really found only as a process and movement running through the various parts of the embodied organism. And in this process, what is extracted as an individual system and fixated so appears essentially as a fleeting moment, so that the reality which anatomy finds cannot be taken for its real being, but only that reality is a process, a process which alone even the anatomical parts have a significance. We see then that moments of the inner being of the organism, taken separately by themselves, are not capable of furnishing aspects of a law of organic being, since in a law of that sort they refer to an objective existence, are distinguished from one another, and thus each aspect would not be able to be equally named in a place the other. Further, we see that, when placed on one side, they do not find the other aspect of their realization in a fixed system, for this fixed system is as little something that could convey truly the general nature of the organic existence as the expression of those moments of the inner life of the organism. The essential nature of what is organic, since this is inherently something universal, lies rather in having its moments universal in concrete reality as well, i.e. in having them as permeating processes, and not in giving a copy of the universal as an isolated thing. In this manner the idea of a law in the case of organic existence slips altogether from our grasp. The law wants to take and express the opposition in the form of static, inactive aspects, to bring out in the case of those aspects the characteristic in determining their relation to one another. The inner, into which falls the universality appearing in the process, and the outer, to which belong the parts of the static form of the organism, were to constitute the corresponding sides of the law, but they lose, in being kept asunder in this way, their organic significance. And at the bottom of the idea of law lies just this, that its two aspects should have a subsistence each on its own account indifferent to the other, and the relation of the two sides should be shared between them and have a correspondingly twofold determinate nature. But really, each aspect of the organism consists inherently in being simple universality, wherein all determinations are dissolved, and in being the process of dissolving them. If we quite see the difference between this way of framing laws and previous forms, it will clear up its nature completely. Turning back to the process of perceiving, and that of understanding, intelligence, which reflects itself into itself and by doing so determines its object, we see that understanding does not therefore have before itself in its object the relation of these abstract determinations, universal and individual, essential and external. On the contrary, it is itself the actual transition, the relational process, and to itself this transition does not become objective. Here, on the other hand, the organic unity, i.e., just the relation of these opposites, is itself the object, and this relation is a pure process of transition. This process in its simplest form is directly universality, and since its universality passes into different factors whose relation is the purpose of the law to express, its moments take the form of being universal objects of this moment of consciousness. 
and the law runs, quote, the outer is an expression of the inner, unquote. Understanding has here grasped the thought of the law itself, whereas formerly it merely looked for laws in a general way, and their moments appeared before it in the shape of a definite and specific content, not in the form of thoughts of laws. As regards content, no law should, then, be admitted in this connection, which merely accept and passively adopt distinctions barely existent, and put them into the form of universality. But only such laws as directly maintain in these distinctions the restless activity of the notion as well, and consequently possess at the same time necessity in the relation of the two sides. Yet because that very object, organic unity, directly combines the function of endlessly superseding or the absolute negation of existence with inactive quiescent existence, and because the nature of the moments is essentially a condition of pure transition, there are thus not to be found any such mere existent aspects that are required for the law. To get such aspects, intelligence must take its stand on the other moment of the organic relation, viz. on the fact that organic existence is reflected into itself. But this mode of being is so completely reflected into itself that it has no specific character, no determinateness of its own, as against something else left over. The immediate sensuous being is so directly one with the determinate quality as such, and hence expresses therein a qualitative distinction, e.g. blue as against red, acid as against alkaloid, etc. But the organic being that has returned into itself is completely indifferent towards another. Its existence is simple universality and refuses to offer observation any permanent sense distinctions, or, what is the same thing, shows its essential characteristic to be merely the changing flux of whatever determinate qualities there are. Hence the way distinction, qua actually existing, expresses itself is just this, that it is an indifferent distinction, i.e. a distinction in the form of quantity. In this, however, the notion is extinguished and necessarily disappears. The content, however, the filling of the indifferent existence, the flux and the interchange of sense determinations when gathered into the simplicity of an organic determination, expresses at the same time the fact that the content does not have the determinate character of the immediate property, and the qualitative feature falls solely within the aspect of quantity, as we saw above. Although the objective element apprehended in the form of a determinate character of an organic existence has thus the notion inherent in it, and thereby is distinguished from the object offered to understanding, which in apprehending the content of laws proceeds in a purely perceptive manner, yet apprehension in the former case falls back entirely into the principle and manner of mere percipient understanding, for the reason that the object apprehended is used to constitute moments of a law. For by this means what is apprehended receives and keeps the character of a fixed determinate quality, the form of an immediate property or a passive phenomenon, it is further subsumed under the aspect of quantity, and the nature of the notion is suppressed. The exchange of a merely perceived object for one reflected into itself, of a mere sense character for an organic, thus loses once more its value, and does so by the fact that understanding has not yet cancelled the process of framing laws. If we compare what we find as regards this exchange in the case of a few examples, we see it may be something that the perception takes for an animal with strong muscles characterised as an animal organism of high irritability, or what perception takes to be a condition of great weakness characterised as a condition of high sensibility, or if we prefer it as an animal of abnormal affection, and moreover raising of it to a higher power, 
expressions which translate sensuous facts into teutonized latin instead into terms of the notion that an animal has strong muscles may be also expressed by understanding in the form that the animal possesses great muscular force great weakness similarly a slight force characterization in terms of irritability has this advantage over determinations by reference to force that the latter expresses indeterminate the former determinate reflection into self for the peculiar force characteristic of muscles is just irritability and irritability is also a preferable determination to strong muscles in that as the case of force reflection into itself is at once implied in it in the same way weakness or slight force organic passivity is expressed in a determinate manner by sensibility but when this sensibility is so taken by itself and fixed and the element of quantity is still bound up with it and qua greater or less sensibility is opposed to a greater or less irritability each is reduced entirely to the level of sense and put into the ordinary form of sense property their principal relation is not the notion but on the contrary is the aspect of quantity into which the opposition is now cast thus becoming a distinction not constituted by thought while in this way the indeterminate nature of the expressions force strength weakness would indeed be got rid of there now arises the equally futile and indeterminate process of dealing with the opposites of a higher and low degree of sensibility and irritability as they increase and decrease relatively to one another the greater or less sensibility or irritability is no less a sensuous phenomenon grasped and expressed without any reference to thought than strength and weakness are sense determinations not constituted by thought the notion has not taken the place of those non-conceptual expressions instead strength and weakness have been given a filling by a character which taken by itself alone rests on the notion and has the notion as its content but loses entirely this origin and character owing to the form of simplicity and immediacy then in which this content is made an element of law and through the element of quantity which constitutes the principle of distinction for such determinations the reality which originally is a notion and is put forward as such retains the character of sense perception and remains as far as removed from knowledge as when characterized in terms of strength or weakness of force or through immediate sense properties there is still left to consider what the outer side of the organic being is when taken by itself alone and how in its case the opposition of its inner and outer is determined just as at first considered the inner of the whole in relation to its own proper outer the outer looked at by itself is the embodied form and shape gestaltung in general the system of life articulated in the element of existence and at the same time essentially the existence of the organism as it is for another objective reality in its aspect of self-existence this other appears in the first instance as its outer inorganic nature if these two are looked at in relation to a law the inorganic nature cannot as we saw before constitute the aspect of a law beside the organic being because the latter exists absolutely for itself and assumes a universal and free relation to its inorganic nature to define more exactly however the relation of these two aspects in the case of the organic form this form in which the organism is embodied is in one aspect turned against its inorganic nature while in another it is for itself and reflected into itself the real organic being is the mediating agency which brings together and unites this self-existence of life its being for itself with the outer in general what is simply and inherently is
the one extreme self-existence is however the inner in the sense of an infinite one which takes the moments of the embodied shape out of their subsistence and connection with outer nature and withdraws these moments back into itself it is that which having no content looks to the embodied form of the organism to provide its content and appears there as the process in that form in this extreme where it is more negativity or pure individual existence the organism finds its absolute freedom whereby it is made quite secure and indifferent towards the fact of its being relative to another and towards the specific character belonging to the moment of the form of the organism this free detachment is at the same time a freedom of the moments themselves it is the possibility of their appearing in existence of being apprehended and just as they are detached and indifferent in regard to what is outer so too they are towards one another for their simple nature of the freedom consists in mere being or in their bare substance this notion of pure freedom is one and the same time life no matter how varied and diverse the ways in which the shape assumed by the organism its being for another may disport itself it is a matter of indifference to this stream of life what sort of mills it drives in the first place we must now note that this notion is not to be taken here as it was formerly when we were considering the inner proper in its character as a process or development of the moments we must take it in its form as bare and simple inner which constitutes the purely universal aspect as against the concrete living reality it is the element in which the existing members of the organic shape find their subsistence for it is this shape we are considering here and in it the essential nature of life appears as the simple fact of subsistence that being so the existence for another the specific character of the real embodied form is taken up into this simple universality in which its nature lies specificity that is likewise of a simple universal non-sensuous kind and can only be that which finds expression in number number is the middle term of that organic form which links indeterminate life with actual concrete life simple like the former and determinate like the latter that which in the case of the former the inner would have the sense of number would require to express the outer after its manner as a multiform reality kinds of life colour and so on in general as the whole host of differences which are developed as a phenomenon of life if these two aspects of the organic whole the one being the inner and the other the outer in such a way that each again has its inner and an outer are compared with reference to the inner both sides have we find that the inner of the first is the notion in the sense of the restless activity of abstraction the second has for its inner however inactive universality which involves also the constant characteristic number hence if because the notion develops its moments in the former this aspect is made into a delusive promise of laws owing to the semblance of necessity in the relation the latter directly disclaims doing so since number shows itself to be the determining feature of one aspect of the laws for its number is just that entirely inactive inert and indifferent characteristic in which every moment and relational process is extinguished and which is broken the bridge leading to the living expression of impulses manner of life and whatever other sensuous existence there is this way of considering the embodied organic shape as such and the inner qua inner merely of that embodied form is however in point of fact no longer a consideration of organic existence for both these aspects which were to be related are merely taken different to one another and thereby reflection under the self 
the essential nature of organism is done away with. What we have done here is rather to transfer that attempted comparison of inner and outer to the sphere of inorganic nature. The notion with its infinity is here merely the inner essence which lies hidden away within or falls outside in self-consciousness and no longer, as in the case of the organism, possesses its objectivity in the actual present. This relation of inner and outer has thus still to be considered in its own proper sphere. In the first place, that inner element of the form and shape assumed, being the simple individual existence of an inorganic thing, is the specific gravity. As a simple existing fact, this can be observed just as much as the characteristic of number, which is the only one suiting to it, or properly speaking it can be found by comparing observations, and it seems in this way to furnish one aspect of the law, the embodied form, colour, hardness, toughness, and an innumerable host of other properties which would together constitute the outer aspect, and would have to give expression to the characteristic of the inner number, so that the one should find its counterpart in the other. Now because negativity is here taken not in the sense of a movement of the process, but as an inoperative unity, or as a self-existence pure and simple, it appears really as that by which the thing resists the process, and maintains itself within itself, and in a condition of indifference towards it. By the fact, however, that this simple self-existence, this bare being for itself, is an inactive indifference towards another specific gravity appears as one property alongside others, and therewith all necessary relation on its part to this plurality, or in other words, all conformity to law, ceases. The specific gravity in the sense of the simple inner aspect does not contain difference in itself, or the difference it has is merely non-essential, for its bare simplicity just cancels every distinction of an essential kind. This non-essential difference or quantity was thus bound to find its other or counterpart in the other aspect, the plurality of properties, since it is only by doing so that it is difference at all. When this plurality itself is held together within the simple form of opposition, and is determined, say, as cohesion, so that its cohesion is self-existence in otherness, as specific gravity is pure self-existence, then the cohesion here is primarily this pure conceptually constituted character, as against the previous characteristic. The mode of framing the law would thus be what is discussed above in dealing with the relation of sensibility to irritability. Furthermore, cohesion qua conception of self-existence in otherness is merely the abstraction of the aspect opposed to specific gravity, and as such has no essential reality, for self-existence is in the other the process wherein the inorganic would have to express its self-existence as a form of self-conservation, which again would prevent it emerging from the process as a constituent moment of a product. Yet this goes directly against its nature, which has no purpose or universality in it. Rather, its process is simply the specific way of bringing out how its self-existence, in the sense of its specific gravity, cancels itself. This determinate mode of procedure, which in that case would constitute the true principle implied in its cohesion, is itself, however, entirely indifferent to the other notion, that of the determinate quality of its specific gravity. If the mode of procedure were left entirely out of account, and attention confined to the idea of quantity, we might be able to think of a feature like this, the greater specific weight, as it is a higher intensiveness of being, would resist entering into the process more than a less specific weight, 
but conversely freedom of self-existence shows itself only in the facility to meddle with and enter into everything and maintain itself throughout this manifold variety that intensity without extension of relations is an abstraction with no substance to it for extension constitutes the existence of intensity the self-conservation of the inorganic element in its relation lies however as already mentioned outside its nature since it does not contain the principle of movement within it or because its being is not absolute negativity and not a notion when this other aspect of the inorganic on the other hand is considered not as a process but as an inoperative being it is ordinary cohesion it is a simple sense property standing on one side over against the liberated moment of otherness which lies scattered over a plurality of properties indifferent to and apart from one another and appears amongst these as specific gravity or weight the multiplicity of properties together then constitutes the other side to the latter specific gravity in its case however as in the case of the multiplicity number is the only characteristic feature which not merely does not bring out a relation and a transition from one to another of these properties but consists essentially in having no necessary relation its nature is rather to make manifest the absence of all conformity to law for it expresses the determinate character as one that is non-essential thus we see that a series of bodies whose distinction is expressed as a numerical difference of their specific weights by no means runs parallel to a series where the difference is constituted by other properties even if for purposes of simplification we select merely one or two of them for as a matter of fact it could only be the tout ensemble of the properties which would have to constitute the other parallel aspect here in order to make this into a connected single compact whole observation finds before it the quantitative determinations of these various properties but on the other hand their differences come to light as qualitative in this compound then what would have to be characterized as positive or negative would be cancelled each by the other in general and the internal arrangement and exposition of the equation which would be very composite would belong to the notion the notion however is excluded from operating just by the way in which the properties are found lying they are to be picked up as mere existent entities in the condition of mere being none is negative in its relation to another the one exists just as much as the other and in no other fashion does it indicate its presence in the arrangement of the whole in the case of a series with concurrent differences whether the relation is meant to be that of simultaneous increase on both sides or of increase on the one and decrease on the other interest centers mainly in the last simple expression of this combined whole which would constitute the one aspect of the law with specific gravity for the opposite but this one aspect qua resultant fact is nothing else than what has been already mentioned viz an individual property say like ordinary cohesion alongside and indifferent to which the others specific gravity among them are found lying and every other can be selected equally rightly i e equally wrongly to stand as representative of the entire other aspect one as well as the other would merely represent or stand for vorstellen the essential reality wesen but it would not actually be the fact sasha itself thus it seems that the attempt to find a series of bodies which should in their two aspects run continuously and simply parallel and express the essential nature of the bodies in a law holding these two aspects must be looked at as a name that is ignorant alike of what it is about and the means for carrying it through 
at a previous stage the relation between the inner and outer phase of the organic form set before observation was forthwith transferred to the sphere of the inorganic the determinate condition to which this can be due now can be stated more precisely and there arises thence a further form and relation in this connection what seems to present the possibility of such comparison of inner and outer in the case of the organic drops away altogether when we come to the organic the inorganic inner is an inner bare and simple which comes before perception as a merely existent property its characteristic determination is therefore essentially quantity qua existent property it appears indifferent towards the outer or the plurality of the other sense properties the self-existence of the living organism however does not stand on one side opposed to its outer it has the principle of otherness within itself if we characterize self-existence as a simple self-preserving relation to itself its otherness its negativity barren simple and organic unity is the unity of self-identical self-relation and pure negativity this unity is qua unity the inner phase of the organic the organic is thereby inherently universal it is a genus the freedom of the genus with reference to its realization is however something different from the freedom of the specific gravity with reference to its embodied form that of the latter is freedom in the sphere of existence it is in the sense that it takes a stand on one side as a particular property because it is an existent freedom it is also only a determinate character essentially belonging to this one embodied form or through which this one form qua reality is a determinate entity the freedom however of the genus is a universal freedom and indifferent to this embodied form or towards its realization the characteristic feature attaching to the self-existence as such of the inorganic is therefore subordinated in the case of the organic to the self-existence while the case of the inorganic is subordinated to its mere existence hence although in the case of the latter that determinate characteristic appears at the same time only as a property yet it possesses the value of being essential because qua bare negative it stands over against concrete existence which is being for another and the simple negative in its final form as a particular characteristic is a number the organic however is an individual entity which itself pure negativity and hence eradicates within it the fixed determinateness of number which suits the indifference of mere being so far as it has in its moment of indifferent being and thereby of number this numerical element can only therefore be regarded as a side issue within it but not as the essential nature of its living activity but now through pure negativity the principle of the process does not fall outside organic existence and though the organic does not possess negativity as an adjectival characteristic attached to its inner nature the singleness of the individual organism being instead inherently universal yet this pure singleness is not therein developed and realized in its various moments as if these were themselves abstract or universal on the contrary this developed expression makes its appearance outside that universality which thus falls back into a mere imminence and inwardness and between the concrete realization of the embodied form i e the self-developing individual singleness of the organism and the organic universal the genus appears the determinate or specific universal the species this existential form to which the negativity of the universal the negativity of the genus attains is merely the explicitly developed movement of a process carried out among the parts of the given shape assumed by the organism if the genus had the different parts within itself as an unbroken simple unity so that its simple negativity 
as such were just at the same time a movement carried through the parts equally simple and directly universal in themselves, which were here actual as such moments, then the organic genus would be consciousness. But the simple determinate character, qua determinateness of the species, is present in an unconscious manner in the genus. Concrete realization starts from the genus, and what finds express realization is not the genus as such, i.e., not really thought. This genus qua actual organic fact is represented by a deputy. Number, which is the representative here, seems to designate the transition from the genus to the individual embodiment and to set before observation the two aspects of conceptual necessity, one in the form of a simple characteristic, the other in the form of an organic shape, with all its manifold variety fully developed. This representative, however, really denotes the indifference and freedom of the universal and the individual as regards one another. The genus puts the individual at the mercy of mere quantitative difference, a non-essential element, but the individual qua living shows itself equally independent of this difference. True universality in this way specified here is merely inner nature qua characteristic determination of the species. It is formal universality and in opposition to the latter that true universality takes its stand on the side of organic individual singleness which is a living individual entity by means of that universality, and owing to its inner nature, is not troubled by its determinate character as a species. But this singleness is not at the same time a universal individual, i.e. one in which universality would have external realization as well. This falls outside the living organic whole. This universal individual, however, in the way it is immediately the individual of the natural embodiments of organic life, is not consciousness itself, its existence qua single organic living individual cannot fall outside that universal if it is to be consciousness. We have then here a connected system where one extreme is the universal life qua universal or genus, the other being that same life qua a single whole or universal individual. The mediating term, however, is a combination of both the first seeming to fit itself into it as a determinate universality or as a species, the other as a single whole proper or individual singleness. And since this connected system belongs altogether to the aspect of the organic embodiment, it comprehends within it too what is distinguished as inorganic nature. Since now the universal life, qua the simple essence of the genus, develops from its side the distinctions of the notion, and has to exhibit them in the form of a series of simple determining characteristics, this series is a system of distinctions set up indifferently, or in a numerical series. Whereas formerly, the organic in the form of something individual and single was placed in opposition to this non-essential distinction of quantity, a distinction which neither expresses nor contains the living nature, and while precisely the same has to be stated as regards the inorganic, taking into account its entire existence developed in the plurality of its properties, it is now the universal individual which is not merely to be looked on as free from every articulation of the genus, but also as the power and might inherent in the genus. The genus disperses into species after the manner of the universality characteristic of number, or again it may adopt as its principle of division particular characteristics of its existence like figure, colour, etc. While prosecuting the same, the genus meets with violence at the hands of the universal individual, the earth, which, in the role of the universal negativity, establishes the distinctions as they exist within itself. 
the nature of which, owing to the substance they belong to, is different from the nature of that genus, and makes good these distinctions as against the process of generic systematization. This action on the part of the genus comes to be quite a restricted business, which can only carry on inside these mighty elements, which are left with gaps and arrested and interrupted at all points through their unbridled violence. It follows from all this that the embodied organic existent observation can only meet with reason in the sense of life in general, which, however, in its differentiating process involves really no rational sequence and articulation, and is not a thoroughly grounded system of shapes and forms. If the process of connecting these moments, which organic embodiment involves, the mediating term which connects the species and the realization in the form of single individuality had within it the two extremes of inner universality and universal individuality then this middle term would have the movements of its reality and the expression and nature of its universality and would be self-systematizing development it is thus that consciousness takes the middle term between universal spirit and its individuation or sense consciousness, the system of shapes assumed by consciousness as an orderly self-constituted whole of the life of the spirit, the system of forms of conscious life which is dealt with in this treatise, and which finds its objective and existential expression as the history of the world. But organic nature has no history, it drops from its universal life immediately into the individuation of existence, and the moments of simple determinateness and individual living activity which are united in this realization bring about the process of change merely as a contingent movement wherein each plays its own part and the whole is preserved. But the energy thus exerted is restricted, so far as itself is concerned, merely to its own focus, because the whole is not present in it, and the whole is not there because the whole is not as such here for itself. Besides the fact, then, that reason in observing organic nature only comes to see itself as universal life in general, it comes to see the development and realization of this life merely by way of systems distinguished quite generally in the determination of which the essential reality lies not in the organic fact as such, but in the universal individual, the earth, and among these distinctions of earth, it comes to see that development and realization in the form of sequences which the genus attempts to establish. Since then, in its realization, the universality found in organic life lets itself drop directly into the extreme of individuation without any true self-referring process of mediation. The thing before the observing mind is merely a would-be meaning, and if reason can be at the trouble to observe, what is thus meant here, it is confined to describing and recording nature's meanings and incidental suggestions. This irrational freedom of fancying and thinking doubtless will produce on all sides beginnings of laws, traces of necessity, hints and allusions to order and sequence, ingenious and specious relations of all kinds. But in relating the organic to the different facts of the inorganic elements zones climates so far as regards law and necessary connection observation can never get further than the idea of a great influence so too on the other side where individuality has not the significance of the earth but of the oneness imminent in organic life this is immediate unity within the universal no doubt constitutes the genus but is simple unity just for that reason determined merely as a number and hence let go the qualitative appearance 
Here observation cannot get further than making clever remarks, bringing out interesting points of connection, making friendly advances to the notion. But clever remarks do not amount to a knowledge of necessity. Interesting points of connection stop short at being simply of interest, while the interest is still nothing but arbitrary opinion about the rational, and the friendliness of the individual in making allusion to a notion is a childlike friendliness which is childish if it stands to be or wants to be worth anything. End of chapter 5, Alpha 2, part 2. Recording by Morris in Arsie, Bedfordshire.